0: Welcome to the Foundations Church podcast. Before we get into the message, if you don't have a dentist, our very own Courtney Johnson she let us shoot a video at her office. Um, I don't think we have another dentist, so it's not like I have a competing clause right now. If you're looking for a great dentist, Courtney Johnson comes to Foundation Church. She gives shots and they don't even hurt. Um, I don't know how she does it. No, she opened her own practice if you're looking for one, but I want to thank Courtney so much for opening her office and letting us come. And really, let's be honest, that's Shannon's mouth. She's a brave, brave woman to look in that man's mouth. So. Um, Hey, real quick, two things before we get going. Tonight, we have pizza with the pastors. If you have been coming to Foundation Church for a while um, and, and you've never been to pizza with the pastors, we would love to just get to hang out with you. Um, it is, it's is—it's hard to meet everyone on a Sunday morning, much less to get to know your story and to get to know you, and we really want to get to know you. We're not asking for you to all of a sudden uh, start tithing, start giving, nothing like that. We want to get to know you and you to get to know us. It's happening tonight at 5.30. If you are going to come, if you can come, please sign up in our Connect Center. It's a bright green room in the lobby. We would love to hang out. I, I can't give everybody a personal invitation. This is your personal Well, the pastor didn't ask me personally. We're just sitting alone right now, and I'm asking you would you please come to pizza with the pastors with us and hang out with us? We would love the opportunity. So um, if you've been thinking about it, the second thing is this. Actually, I have three things. Second thing is this. Um, we have baptism next week. And if you've been thinking about taking the plunge, getting baptized, man, can I t- don't, don't put it off any longer. There is blessing in obedience, and it's a big step for you. Don't minimize your step. Man, if God has changed you in the last few months, and you've never gotten baptized in water, or you got baptized, and you didn't, man, you didn't know what you were doing. Be honest. When I got baptized as a little kid, I did not know what I was doing. Um, I just knew I was going to get in some water, and I didn't have to go to church for very long because um, I got to change um, here, here's the deal. We would love for that to have a significant part of your walk with Christ. And it's a big deal because you're going public about something that has changed inside of you. And it's what God tells us to do, to go and be baptized after we've accepted Jesus Christ. So if you would like to get baptized, guess what? Hang out to our Connect Center, the bright green room if you haven't caught on yet. Still the same one. And we would love to get you signed up to get baptized and let your church family celebrate with you. Next, this week also, this is the last thing, I'm going to be speaking on a sermon called Busted Boxes, and I'm going to be talking about where we are as a church, it's kind of like the state of the church address if there is such thing, um, where we are as a church and where we are going as a church, and there's some things you guys need to know you don't need to miss, so make sure that you're here, um, or I'm going to start a bunch of rumors about things, um, which is totally against this whole series, but I'm going to do it anyways, um, Today, we're concluding our series called My Dirty Mouth, and I wanna talk to you about temper and tone. Temper and tone, and this can be a really touchy topic, especially if you have a bad temper, so don't get mad this morning. Um, Listen, and I think we can actually have a lot of fun. And so, as I knew what I was getting ready to speak on, I started searching for some quotes and looking for some different uh, uh, material, and I found two amazing quotes um, Christopher Morley who may be the smartest man that's ever lived just based on this quote said this a man who has never made a woman angry is a failure in life um <laughs> a man who has never made a woman angry is a failure in life some of you men you are a raging success right now um so just leave being like I am a winner um you're winning again just like Donald Trump um winning um we're here to win. Um, the other one is this. I don't know who quoted this. I don't know, but it's just fantastic. When you get angry, take a breath and count to 10. Then throw a punch at eight. Nobody expects that. Um, it like um, made me mad. Um, here's the deal. Anger, it's part of life. It's part of it. You don't believe me? Man, just keep living for a while. Um, there, all of us have our, our things that set us off. All of us have our, our moments that we get frustrated and our frustration turns to anger. And Proverbs chapter 13, verse three says this, those who control their tongue will have a long life. Opening your mouth can ruin everything. And this has been our text for the whole series. <clears throat> but this, this scripture, this proverb could not be more applicable than the topic we're talking about today. That opening your mouth when you get angry, when you get mad, when you get frustrated, very easily can ruin it all. Because one thing I know is once you say it, once you let it out, you can't get it back. You have to deal with the consequences. And the Bible says this, the power of life and death are in the tongue, in your speech, in the words that you say. (coughs) And those who love to talk will reap it's consequences. You will reap good consequences or bad consequences based on what you are spewing, what you are speaking. And when you get angry, when I get angry, most of the time, we don't say things full of life. Our tone, <coughs> excuse me, our tone is not a tone that is full of life. It's full of death, right? Like, I'm gonna kill you! Um, you, you there is a Temper and tone go hand in hand. And this morning, that's what I want to talk to you about. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26 and 27 says this When you are angry, do not sin. I want us to stop for a second because it doesn't say if you get angry. Paul understood you're going to get mad, you're going to get frustrated, you're going to get angry. When you are angry, do not sin. When your defensive coordinator for the University of Oklahoma does not know how to call a defense, do not sin. When your team loses to Iowa State, do not get mad. Talk to the TV like they can hear you because it makes you feel better. But don't sin. Some of you, you just need to come to the front right now because you had some sinful words come out yesterday. Um, and Be sure to stop being angry before the end of the day. It's a good thing it was a morning game yesterday. But I love this part. Don't give the, way, the devil a way to defeat you. Right? That, that's what we, when you and I allow ourselves to get angry, I'm not talking about football. I'm just talking about in life, in our relationships, you open the door, you give Satan a way To defeat you don't don't you're gonna get angry but don't sin while you're angry don't just let anger sit there and boil up and turn into bitterness and turn into some serious issues because you never dealt with it because when you allow that to happen Satan defeats you and your mouth does not become full of life it becomes full of sin and it becomes my dirty mouth So how do we live this out? How do we not get angry and sin? The first thing I would tell you is this, and we need to understand this. When you lose it, everyone loses. I used to phrase it this way. When you lose it, you lose. But that's not true. It is true, but there's more to it. It's not just you that loses. It's everyone loses. Everyone loses when you lose it. Temper and tone go hand in hand. You cannot Yell at someone while smiling. Try it. Try it. Like truly joyful. Like, ha, 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 I hate you. You can't do it. Like, you can't do it. It's like trying to say bubbles and being mad. It's just almost impossible. Like, I don't know why. Like, bubbles. Um, here's the deal. You, you, when, when you get angry, it's not just you that lose credibility in relationships. It affects all those around you. It affects the person you got angry with. It affects those that are innocent but are just bystanders. And all this, here's the deal. When you get angry with someone and you have it out and you start calling them names and they start calling you names and it becomes this thing, it becomes awkward, doesn't it, afterwards? Like nobody knows if they can talk or if they can switch the, the subject because it's too soon. It's like, it's like a dance at mid-high. Like you're just like, do I ask her to dance? Or do I see music, but nobody's on the dance floor? Like what, what do we do? Can I talk to her? Or is she still mad? Can I talk to him? Or is he still feeling, you know, you yell at your kids and you're like, can I switch the subject because I feel bad? because Here's the deal. When you lose it, everyone loses. Everyone loses. The Bible says this, Proverbs chapter 29, 11, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, but a wise man quietly holds it back. A, 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 a commentary said this. It says, a fool lets nothing go unexpressed. It lets all their spirit out. Oh, I'm going to speak my mind, right? That—that's You let all your emotions out. But a wise man, wise people are patient and control themselves. I don't think this could be a more applicable verse for us to read than right now because we are entering the season of Little League soccer, of Little League football, of Little League basketball. I don't coach a team anymore because I was a fool who gave full vent to my emotions when I would coach, right? I understand that. Here's... to, to illustrate this perfectly, last year we had a basketball tournament, and I'm helping kind of run and set up the tournament, and the team that won the tournament, they come out of the stands, and I kid you not, this lady had to be 80 years old, she comes down, and the player on the other team that they just beat was probably a year older, and she goes, that's what you Get for having a kid too old playing on your team. You got your butt beat, girl. And that just infuriated all those people. And I'm going, holy cow, what is, what's happening with my Saturday? And all I know is this is what I heard next from the 80-year-old grandmother. I, all, all of a sudden, I'm walking over there, and I hear, oh, yeah, you're fat. I'm like, are you? This is my Saturday. For real, I didn't sign up for this, Right? So I go over there, I'm like, I looked at this 80 year old grandma, she's like this tall. I go, You're done. And she looks at me and she goes, I'm done. And I go, You're done. Now leave. And she looked at me with her 20 other people and she goes, Okay, sir, thank you. And I'm like, Sweet, this worked well. <laughs> that was easy. Move along, move along. Nothing to see here. Here's the deal you and our, our nature. You don't outgrow this. It does not have a time limit, an age limit to it. Our nature is to allow our feelings to be expressed, to allow our emotions to express how we feel in the moment. And the Bible says this, a fool gives full vent to his spirit, gives full gives access to his emotions, but the wise are patient and self controlled. This means, let's go back homework this week, read Galatians chapter five and six. This is what Paul is talking about. It's all about your sinful nature, your self nature versus your spirit led nature. And your self nature, when you're living it all natural, you're like the nature boy, you're just living it out, right? Whoa, there you go. Somebody was there already. Um, your self led nature wants to let emotions dictate and run the show. That's your self-led nature. But but Paul said this, your spirit-led nature, when you allow something greater than you to lead you, that's when patience and self-control takes hold. I love this quote by Charles Swindoll. He said this, he said, life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. Life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. How do you react? How do you act, react when you get angry? Because it's gonna happen. Do you get full vent to your emotions? Is that how you react? Because that's 90% of what your relationships and your life is made of. I, 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 I say it this way. Anytime I go to my house and we sit at the table, everybody is welcome to sit at the table and eat, and we have conversations. Some of us, we are allowing emotions to have a seat at the table of our communications, right? We're, we're allowing access to our, we're giving emotions access to our part of our life that is all about communication, and, and let me tell you, when you allow emotions to have a seat at the table, When it comes to your communication life, most of the time, you are not communicating something that is healthy. Most of the time, you are not communicating something that you are really going to be happy and proud that you communicated. In fact, I say this, I've never done anything while being angry that I'm proud of. Let me say that again. I've never done anything while being angry that I'm proud of, and I bet you haven't either. Because anger is an emotion that wreaks havoc if we give it a seat at the table. So what do we do? Well, Proverbs chapter 15, verse 1 says this, A gentle answer deflects anger, but harsh words make tempers flare. Here's what this word, uh, uh, harsh, means in the Hebrew. It literally means a word of pain, meaning a word that causes pain. Flare in the Hebrew means increase, to go up, to stir up. So in essence, to stir the pot, right? Like, oh, you're stirring the pot. A gentle answer deflects anger, but a word of pain, a word that causes pain, makes tempers go up, increase. You stir it up. Are you responding with gentle answers? Here's the deal. Somebody here knows how to push your buttons. You got buttons, you're like, I do have buttons. You got buttons, I got buttons, I can tell you Casey's got buttons and I'm really good at pushing them. I'm like, ooh, let's poke the bear. You know, she looks small and nice, but boy, she's mean sometimes. Um, (laughs) Dead. Less is more, Justin, less is more. Um, I'm working on this with you. Here's the deal. (laughs) How do you, (laughs) I gotta get this back, stop. How do you respond when people make you angry? How do you respond when people say something rude to you? Do you meet them with patience and self-control and you give them the benefit because maybe they've had a bad day? Or do you give full vent to your spirit, to your emotions? Do you respond with a gentle word and deflect anger, or do you stir it up? Man, hear me, as as you and I are living this out, as followers of Christ, you and I are called to be different. We're not supposed to react. We're not supposed to act like the rest of this world that does not follow Jesus Christ. And if we really want to stand out, hear me, Foundation Church. If Foundation Church, you want to stand out as a follower of Christ, you don't have to wear an FCT shirt that says, making Jesus famous in all that we do. You don't have to, to check in on Facebook. Just start talking different than the rest of this world does. Just start responding different than the rest of this world does. Man, instead of griping about the world, how awful they are and how lost they are and how sinful they are, man, let's start speaking life and let's start encouraging them. Invite those people who are lost and despicable and say, man, there's purpose, there's hope, there's encouragement, and there's a message and a mission that can come out of your life if you will just give a God a chance. Let's stop complaining about it and start embracing it and be something different. You can gripe and you can speak death or you can speak life and you can start encouraging. Foundation Church, that only happens when we allow the Spirit to take the lead, and we die to our self-led nature. That's how it happens. So what do we do? What do we do? Because it's not enough to just know what, like what's happening and how anger works. What do we do when we get angry? The first thing is this. you got to learn to slow your roll. You got to learn to slow your roll. So, The kids are saying this today. What's this slow your roll mean? Um, This is letting someone know they're getting out of control and need to rein it in. Right? They're getting out of control and they need to rein it in. And for some of us, when it comes to our temper and our tone, we need to rein it in. Uh, uh, Newsflash. You say, well, I wasn't mad, but you were yelling. Oh, you lost your anger. You lost your temper because you lost your tone. Right? And we got to slow our tone, and we got to slow our temper. Bible says, James chapter 1, verse 19 through 20 out of the amplified version. And I want us to just take time to read this for a second. It says this, understand this, my beloved brothers and sisters. Let everyone be quick to hear. Be a careful, thoughtful listener. Ow. Be a careful, thoughtful listener. Slow to speak, a speaker of carefully chosen words. I may need to apply that on Sunday mornings up here. A speaker of carefully chosen words and slow to anger, patient, reflective, forgiving. For the resentful, deep-seated anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God, the standard of behavior which he requires from us quick to listen, to be a careful, thoughtful listener, slow to speak, using wise, thoughtful words. And if we do those two things, the result is we'll be slow to become angry. That's it. We have to slow our roll. When you go into a a, a kid's school zone, there's a 25 mile an hour speed limit or a 20 mile an hour speed limit. And why do they do this? Is it just to annoy you? Because you're just like, they're just kids. Just get off the bus, get in. There's no reason for this speed zone, right? Um, that's what some of you think, but here's the deal. Here's why they're doing that. It's because it's schools, in school zones, there are unexpected things that happen. Kids dart out in front of bikes. Um, on their bikes, they, they dart out on foot because they're excited to get out of school and go home and play, right? And when you learn to slow down and you go 20 to 25 miles an hour, when unexpected events happen, it gives you time to respond in an appropriate manner to keep tragic things from happening. And what is true for a school zone is true for your mouth. Man, when you learn to slow down, when you learn to slow your roll, and you're slow to speak, and you're slow to become angry because you've been quick, to listen, it allows you to respond in a matter of unexpected events, of things that you heard in your life. I was not expecting that to come out of your mouth, right? Like some of you have been there like, of all people, I didn't expect you to say that. But when you slow your roll, when you slow your, your, your ability to come back with that comeback or say that thing, it allows you time to respond appropriately and in a manner that avoids tragedy in your life and in relationships, Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse nine says, don't be quickly provoked in your spirit for anger resides in the lap of fools. Stop getting mad so fast and stop letting anger just sit in your life. Here's the second thing I would tell you about slowing your roll. It's this, is that you've got to stop getting upset over everything. My goodness, we are a sensitive culture, aren't we? I mean, we are a sensitive world. Some of us, I've heard people go to connect groups or go to churches and they're like, well, nobody talked to me. Well, did you talk to me? No, but somebody should have talked to me. (laughs) Got upset. Well, nobody talked to me. Well, what were you doing? Well, I was on my phone, standing against the wall, I'll go scrolling Facebook. Well, can I tell you, that is the international sign of leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to be talked to. I just want to look through my phone. Like, like, stop getting so upset. Stop getting so mad because nobody engaged. Or well, they looked my way, and then they laughed. What are you talking about? Are you for real right now? Like, well, well, you know, they just they they looked at me in a way that I didn't appreciate. I would love to say I'm making this up. I'm not. This doesn't necessarily happen here, but it happens at churches all over the place. Like people are looking for ways to get offended. Man, and and don't give I don't have time to start talking about your kids because, whoa, heaven helps a parent tell your kid no because you're never telling them that. You know, thank God for a parent that finally tells your kid no because you never do. Or they can't tell my kid what to do. Well, at least somebody finally is, right? I mean, come on. Well, I'm offended right now. How dare you? I don't even know your kid. Like, if I'm offending you right now, buckle up and hold on, because in a couple weeks, I'm going to really make you mad, I bet. You know? I'm like, you got no clue. (laughs) Carefully chosen words is not my specialty. (laughs) I'm a work in progress. Here's what the Bible says in Proverbs. That's the loudest amen I've ever gotten. Um, Proverbs 19. Some of our parents tell their kids, listen to Pastor Justin when he's on stage and when he's on stage only. Um, when he's off stage, don't listen to him. Proverbs 19:11. Sensible people control their temper. They earn respect by overlooking wrongs. And this scripture is not telling you to ignore that people are hurting you. It's not saying that it's okay that you are being hurt. That's, that's not what the scripture is saying. But what it is saying is sensible, sensible people control the... T- they don't get mad over every little thing. Right? Because, and here's why. If you get offended over every little thing, you're busy being offended instead of being productive. Because all Satan has to do... And he knows this. He's smart. Hey, let's not make... Satan's something he's not. He's crafty, he's smart. All he knows to take you out of fulfilling your purpose, and I believe in my core, every single one of us has a purpose, is all he's got to do is make you offended. If make you mad is make you upset and you're out of the game. You're out being, you're not being productive any longer. You're out being offended and probably offending others all of a sudden because you got to stick up for your rights. If we're going to slow our role, we've got to stop being upset. We got to stop picking up the spirit of offense and let it go, let it flow, slow your role, and realize I'm here to be productive for his kingdom and not to defend my own, right? That's what God has called us to do. And you and I, man, if we can start slowing our role, I promise you, your relationships are going to be way, way healthier. But what do we do besides preventing ourselves from, from becoming angry? Because I am a big, big proponent of not just, stop, uh, not just playing defense, but playing offense. I, I'm a big proponent of not just trying to avoid evil, but man, let's inv- engage in what God is calling us to do. Romans chapter 12 verse 21 says this, don't be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Don't, don't, just, don't just avoid evil, right? But how do you overcome evil? With good, with doing good things, with being the light, with being who God has called us to be. And so I leave you with this last point. It's simply this. What do we do? We be a homer. We become a homer and not a critic. We become a homer and not a critic. A homer is this. Someone who shows loyalty to a team or person while overlooking shortcomings or faults. Some of you thought I was talking about the Simpsons and you were like, I can't believe this guy today. Um, Someone who shows loyalty to a team or person while overlooking shortcomings or faults. Man, you can overlook their faults. You can overlook their shortcomings because we all have them. You can overlook their bad day. There's grace for the moment. There's mercy by the minute, right? You, you, that's being a homer. But a critic, a critic is a person who finds faults or complains. And what is crazy to me is we've gotten, and I'm going to put this on the men a lot, because I believe we set the tone as men in our homes. We've gotten great at sarcasm and criticism, but really bad at praise and encouragement. We've gotten we've gotten great at having that comeback like that, but it's almost awkward now. It, it's almost awkward to praise our wife, to encourage our wife, to praise our kid, to encourage our kids, to praise our buddies, and encourage our buddies to praise our coworkers or encourage because they're like, what what'd you do? What'd you do? What'd you do? What what? Why are you saying this? Because you did something. It's become awkward. It's become different. And how has that happened? Because somewhere along the line, we got more comfortable being sarcastic than we did encouraging. We've gotten, more, we've gotten better at being a critic of what everybody else does and being in the peanut gallery and criticizing Mike Stoops and criticizing every politician, and criticizing every pastor in every church because they don't do it the way you see it instead of being a person that can overlook faults and shortcomings. And here's what the Bible says. 1 Thessalonians chapter five. So speak encouraging words to one another. Build up hope so you'll all be together in this. No one left out. No one left behind. I know you're already doing this. Just keep on doing this. And here's the deal. Some of us we have been doing it and we stopped doing it. Why? Because we got used to it. We got complacent in it. We we kind of dropped off in this. We're like, ah oh, yeah, I need to keep on speaking, encouraging. words is what Paul is saying to the church in Thessalonica. Man, keep speaking, encouraging words to one another. Don't stop doing it. Keep building each other up. Let this be a place when people come in, they leave feeling better about themselves instead of worse. Build one another up. Speak hope, speak encouragement, speak life to one another. Verse 13, get along among yourselves, each of you doing your part. Our counsel is that is that you warn the freeloaders to move on, to get a move on. Gently encourage the stragglers and reach out for the exhausted, pulling them to their feet instead of just talking down to them. Be patient with each person, attentive to individual's needs, and be careful when you get on each other's nerves that you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your your best. Whoa, whoa. That's another series. Um, (laughs) We'll be opening our Bibles to the book of Solomon, Song of Solomon. Um, And be careful (laughs) when you get on each other's nerves that you don't snap at each other. Look for the best in each other and always do your best to bring it out. Man, can I tell you? Get along. Get along. Build each other up. Encourage one another. And people, people are going to get on your nerves. Don't wait to go to a church where somebody doesn't get on your nerves. You're never going to find it. I just tell you, it's, just, it's, not, it's not real. There's three people there. <laughs> and none of them are your family. Don't, don't wait. But, man, let's motivate one another. My hope for Foundation Church is we have people completely different than us. That we don't just have a church full of Republicans, but we have a church full of Democrats. We have a church full of man independents. That we have a church not of white people, but of black people, of brown people, of purple people, if there is such thing. That we have people that can speak English and speak other languages. That we have people from every uh, 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 background. That we have people from every sector of income, because that's what the church is called to be. That's who, and, and that we're not just encouraging those that we're alike and that we Light, but we're encouraging one another and bringing out the best in each other. It says this in Hebrews chapter three, verse 13, but encourage one another, here it is, daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Don't do it every once in a while, do it daily. Proverbs sixteen twenty four. kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. So here's, here's, here's the homework, I, I gotta wrap this up. I have way too much fun this morning. Um, your homework is this. It's to get on the offensive thing, on, on the offensive side of your, of your speech and of your mouth. It's to do good, to overcome evil with doing good. Overcome evil with good. Can I tell you, your kids hear enough negativity about their limitations and who they are every day they go to school. Your spouse hears enough negativity about their looks about what they're doing and that they're good enough or they're smart enough or they're capable enough or they're doing enough good job for you to be the critic, they need you to be their homer. Man, your friends are have enough uh, insecurities without you being sarcastic and drawing them up even more. People that are sitting to your right and your left this morning need you to be the encourager that overlooks their shortcomings and their faults and that you start speaking life, that you start speaking encouragement and that we go on the offensive side and. That we can overcome all the negativity, all the things that are going wrong with good. Now let me tell you, I want you to start speaking goodness. I want you to start speaking encouragement. I want you to start speaking life to those that are underneath your roof today in your home, your kids, your family, your roommate, man, that when you go to work tomorrow, that you start speaking kindness and you start speaking encouragement, um, that you just start talking life to people because if you want friends and you want people to love being around you, hear me, this is all you gotta do, speak encouraging words because they will not be able to be around you enough. That's it. And this does not constitute an encouraging word. Well, you're not that ugly, right? (laughs) Right? Well, those jeans don't look that bad, right? No, 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 no. I guess I'll keep you. That is not an encouraging word. That is, that is not what we're talking about. But to speak life to them, I love this quote, and I've got to shut up. A word of encouragement during a <laughs> shut up. Um, a word of encouragement during a failure is worth more than an hour of praise after success. And can I tell you, it's just true. I had people speak encouragement to me when I was at my lowest and it meant the most and I still remember who they are and where I was. And if people have messed up, if they have failed and they know it, they don't need you to speak more judgment and how could yous on them. Man, they need you to speak life and encouragement and hope and that's being the church. That's playing offense. That's overcoming evil with good. Let's be homers. Not critics, let's pray. Lord, we love you. We thank you for today. And God, I ask that in this place, we would be different. That Lord, we would be people that are not led out of our, our, our self-led nature. That God, Galatians chapter five and six would become a reality and we would allow ourselves to be led by our spirit-led Nature. The only way that happens is by staying connected to you, abiding in you, as it says in John, because apart from you, we can do nothing. Lord, patience and self control don't come from our nature, they come from our spirit led nature. And so, Lord, some of us were in this place and we're dealing with things that we've said, we're dealing with the fallout of losing our temper and our tone. And God, I prayed that we would just own it that we wouldn't pretend that it didn't happen, that we would own it and that we would apologize for it, but that there would be something different as we move forward. Because apologies will only get you so far for so long. Eventually there's gotta be change. And Lord, with those that we're closest to, there needs to be change, there needs to be words of hope words of life, overcoming all the evil that is being done to those that we love the most with good that is coming from our mouth. God, I pray that we would speak encouraging words, not every once in a while, but daily. I pray that we would not be busy being offended. We wouldn't be busy getting our feelings hurt and trying to take up for ourselves, but we would overlook Offenses, so that we can be about the kingdom's business. God, I pray that our mouse would not be the critic, would not be the one that's complaining and finding fault, but that we're the Homer, (laughs) that we're overlooking faults and shortcomings. God, I pray, be with us and let us be the church you're calling us to be in our homes and outside of this place. In Jesus' name I pray. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning, if you're here today and you say, Justin, I'm here, but I don't know. Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. We want to give you that chance and that opportunity. This morning you may be here and maybe you just need to recommit your life. Maybe you just need to come back home. You say, somewhere along the lines, I I drifted away. I don't remember how. I don't remember when. I just know I'm not where I should be. I'm going to count to three, and we're not going to embarrass you. We're just simply going to ask you to raise your hand right where you are, and lead you in a prayer that will change your life. If that's you, would you just raise your hand when I get to three? One, two, three. Is there anyone here? There's one, there's two. Is there anyone else? You join these two hands that are lifted there's three. Is there anyone else? You say, Justin, that's me. I want to join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. Because man, there's a change that needs to happen in my life. There's a change that needs to happen in my, where I'm really at. And you join these three hands that are lifted before we go any further in service. Man, you say, that's me. That's me today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see your hand. Is there anyone else? You join these four hands before we go any step further. You say, Justin, that's me you raise your hand, if you please repeat this prayer after me and mean it from your heart. Jesus, I come before you today. And I confess that I've sinned and that I've messed up. But God, I ask for your forgiveness. God, I ask that your grace and love would enter my life. I turn away from the life that I was living to grab hold of the life you have for me. I confess you, Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of my life. I'm going to live for you the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give these four individuals that raised their hands? a huge, huge round of applause, yeah.